Good morning. The following two items of news are fine examples of how the churches have moved totally away from the Word of God, and we shall be explaining, hopefully, how this has come about in our talk this morning. The August the 23rd 2007 issue of Time magazine featured a lengthy review of a new book, Mother Teresa, Come Be My Light, documenting Mother Teresa's long night of the soul. In March 1953 she wrote, There is such terrible darkness within me, as if everything was dead. It has been like this more or less from the time I started the work. That's the missionaries of charity, mostly in Calcutta. Over the years she had many confessors and she continually referred to her spiritual condition as my darkness and to Jesus as the absent one. In 1979 she wrote the silence and the emptiness is so great that I look and do not see, listen and do not hear. Her private statements continued in this vein until her death in 1997. And of course now she is in line to become a saint. Many comments have been made about this revelation but the matter is not that complicated. Mother Teresa's error, her big mistake, was putting her faith in a false Christ and a false gospel. We have documented this over the years in various articles, proving that Mother Teresa was a faithful daughter of the Church of Rome, that her Jesus was the wafer of the Catholic Mass, that her protector was Mary and that her gospel was universalism. In her speech at the Worldwide Retreat for Priests in Rome in October 1984, Mother Teresa said, At the word of a priest, that little piece of bread becomes the body of Christ, the bread of life. Only when the priest is there can we have our altar and our tabernacle and our Jesus. Only the priest can put Jesus there for us. That was cited in Be Holy, God's First Call to Priests Today, edited by Tom Forrest, 1987, pages 108 and 111. In the same speech she said, So let us ask the help of Our Lady. She is a mother full of grace. Let us ask her to be our mother, guiding us and protecting us. That's in Be Holy, page 75. In her speech before the United Nations in October 1985, she said, No colour, no religion, no nationality should come between us. We are all children of God. When we destroy an unborn child, we destroy God. That appeared in Christian News in November 1985, page 17. And so you see, her error was putting her faith in a false Jesus. The next article here shows the emphasis the Anglicans put on what they describe as holy orders. 
a totally unscriptural concept of priesthood condemned in scripture and which must equate with the Nicolaitans infecting the churches in Revelation especially that of Pergamos I think this article is blasphemous it's about Desmond Tutu the apostate retired head of the Anglican Church in South Africa he recently wrote an open letter to Anglican leaders urging them to put unity above all their differences so that Jesus will smile at them Tutu who consistently comes up with cutting edge heretical statements particularly mentioned the issue of homosexuality which is causing divisions in Anglicanism Addressing the Archbishop of Canterbury and the upcoming Lambeth Conference, Tutu said, Please invite all those in Episcopal orders who are not retired, even those irregularly consecrated or actively gay. Please, now I appeal to you all, do not excommunicate one another seemingly so easily. Be welcoming and inclusive of one another. That article appeared in the Church Times in August the 24th, 2007. Be united and let Jesus smile again. Tutu concluded the article by saying, Our Lord is weeping to see our communion tearing itself apart on the issue of human sexuality. When the world for which he died is ravaged by poverty, disease, war and corruption... We are one of God's agents to deal with these scourges. God has no one but us. Please, I beg you all in our Lord's name, agree to disagree, argue, debate, disagree, but do all this as members of one family. Accept one another as God accepts us, however we are, in Christ. You know, this man is totally and deeply confused. It baffles me how any Bible-believing Christian can take the Anglican community and its associated churches seriously. As I said, I think, last week, try and discuss these and other doctrinal matters with their members and you will not get any straight biblical answers. It is like eating watery jelly with chopsticks. Well, now, in relation to that, now let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 9. And we'll start reading from verse 4. Speak not thou in thine heart, after that the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, that's the, the, the nations in the, the good land, for my, don't say, for my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations the Lord doth drive out from before thee. Not for thy righteousness, or for the uprightness of thine heart dost thou go to possess thy land. But for the wickedness of these nations the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee that he may perform the word which the Lord swear unto thy fathers Abraham, Isaac and Jacob understand therefore 
that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness for thou art a stiff necked people remember and forget not how thou provokest the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt until ye came unto this place ye have been rebellious against the Lord also in Horeb ye provoked the Lord to wrath so that the Lord was angry with you to have destroyed you when I was gone up into the mount to receive the tables of stone even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you then I abode in the mount forty days and forty nights I neither did eat bread nor drink water and the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God and on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly and it came to pass at the end of forty days and forty nights that the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone even the tables of the covenant the Lord said unto me arise get thee down quickly from hence for thy people which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt have corrupted themselves they are quickly turned aside out of the way which I commanded them they have made them a molten image furthermore the Lord spake unto me saying I have seen this people and behold it is a stiff necked people let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven and I will make of thee a nation mightier and greater than they so I turned and came down from the mount and the mount burned with fire the two tables of the covenant were in my two hands and I looked and behold he had sinned against the Lord your God and had made you a molten calf ye had turned aside quickly out of the way which the Lord had commanded you and I took the two tables and cast them out of my hands and broke them before your eyes and I fell down before the Lord as at the first forty days and forty nights I did neither eat bread nor drink water because of all your sins which ye sinned and in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger very sad portion that how quickly they turned aside from the ways of the Lord it's a strange thing that human, in human nature we quite often always assume the best of ourselves God knew that when they gained some victories and were dwelling in the good land that they would naturally speak in their hearts and say for my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess the land that it was all something to do with how good they were and because of this goodness God had in some way rewarded them how wrong they were God said not for thy righteousness or for the uprightness of thine heart 
dost thou go to possess their land? But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee, and that he may perform the word which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were very wicked. God was driving them out so as to perform and keep his word to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he goes on. He says, Understand therefore, understand that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for because of thy righteousness. For thou art a stiff-necked people. Before you start to congratulate yourselves, remember and forget not how thou provokest the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt until thou came to this place, ye have been a rebellious people, rebellious against the Lord. And so it is with us. There is no good thing in us. In Isaiah 64 verse 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Any good that's in us, in God's sight, is as filthy rags. Romans 7.18 For I know, Paul says, that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. I know that in me, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Titus 3.5 Not by works of righteousness which ye have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and saved by the grace and mercy of God. As the old hymn, Amazing Grace, says, Amazing Grace... That's what it is. It's God's grace and God's mercy that he has brought us into the fold through the blood of Jesus. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. It is all of grace for us. And it was definitely all of grace for the Israelites. Right from the time they had left Egypt. From the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt until ye came to this place, ye have been rebellious against the Lord. What an indictment. Moses their lovely leader at one time their reluctant leader when he spoke with God at the burning bush he had led this rebellious nation right from the time of Egypt and now he reminds them of a very specific time when he provoked the Lord to wrath so that the Lord was angry with you to have destroyed you verse 8 what an important occasion and what a time to start to provoke God to wrath. 
God was giving them the law of God and written on the tablets of stone that very important commandment thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or the likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God you know this whole situation is described awfully in Exodus chapter 32 so if you turn to Exodus chapter 32 and keep your finger in Deuteronomy chapter 9 turn over to Exodus chapter 32 Moses had gone up into the mountain to commune with God for 40 days he spoke with God and fasted the Lord entrusted to him two tablets of stone written with the finger of God the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly those particular words which they had literally heard God speak out from the mountain what we would call the ten commandments how was it written with the finger of God we have the finger of God mentioned in scripture on on a few occasions for example when Moses and Aaron unleashed the plagues by the power of God through Pharaoh on, on the Egyptians Pharaoh's magicians concluded this is the finger of God they simply meant that the plague was God's doing that the affliction was the result of God's power in the same way the Bible states that the original Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses on two tables of stone were written with the finger of God in other words God was the author of them and supernaturally had placed them in writing on the stone tablets. Another example of this type of figurative speech is seen in the declaration of the psalmist. He was looking at the heavens and he was saying in that sense when I consider your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have ordained what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visited him Psalm 8 verses 3 and 4 it was the work of your fingers God's hand was in it we do not believe that God truly has fingers God is not constrained and contained in a, a human form we are told that God is spirit so that this metaphor that is quietly slipped into this dramatic narrative is telling us that God was in control these commandments came from God many today you know look for evidence of God where is the finger of God in the world today the psalmist said when I consider the heavens the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained Psalm 102, 25 Of old thou hast laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of thy hands. 
We see God's handiwork in creation. We see his hand in it. It is clearly evident that God's hand is in it. That's what it meant when it said, written by the finger of God. God was there, writing the commandments for all to see. And yet, the sad thing that happens here in this passage is the people cry out to be able to see a God. They want a concrete proof that some God is with them. They have had God leading them in miraculous ways right from Egypt. And yet, as soon as Moses gets out of the way, they start looking for something visible. What was happening down in the camp while Moses communed with God? Well, if we look at Exodus chapter 32, we see in verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him up make us gods which shall go before us for as for this Moses the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt we wot not what is become of him And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and of your sons and of your daughters and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. Look at that. He fashioned it with a graving tool, an engraving tool, after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast of the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Now let us look a little bit more thoroughly at this event. But first... Let us remind ourselves what it says in Romans 15 verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. These events which portray God's chosen people as rebellious and stiff-necked are written so that we may learn from them something which will help us not to fall into the same errors as they did so many years ago. Moses, their loving and faithful leader, was delayed and the people's reaction. We don't know what has become of him. Make us gods that shall go before us. No mention here of mourning. If they assumed that he was dead, you'd have thought that there would have been a time of mourning. 
as in fact did happen when Moses died eventually. Dark clouds had gathered round the mountain and they grew tired of waiting for an absent one. They forsook Jehovah for a God formed by a graving tool. To them a golden calf that they could see was better than an unseen God. A visible idol superior to the invisible presence of the ever-present God of all the earth. A counterfeit man-made God rather than the God of heaven. And so throughout the history of the churches this has been the story. May we seek to follow the God of the Bible and worship as the church did in the New Testament and follow the doctrines and teachings of the Apostle. But idolatry is ever-present in churches today. You know, Paul anticipated the danger when he referred to this event. In 1 Corinthians 10 verse 7, Neither be idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And verse 14, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. And John, in his epistles, he says and exhorts, Keep yourselves from idols. We also know that before long, in biblical times, the churches were drifting away from the clear teachings of scripture and going into idol worship and so we see in Revelations 2.14 the church at Pergamos received the rebuke but I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication idolatry of some sort was creeping in already and the Thyatira verse 20 of the same passage 2.20 notwithstanding I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. But we say, surely that cannot apply in today's churches. Although idolatry may involve actually bowing down before idols, as we see in many pagan religions and the apostate Roman Catholic Church, Anything which comes between my Saviour and me can readily be classed as an idol and idol worship. Christ has gone on high. His people are left without a visible head. So man immediately appoints visible heads to rule over their various churches. They appoint a hierarchical system of church leaders ignoring those only taught in scripture and the robes and mitres which they wear come mostly out from pagan Babylon thus we have a form of church government which is totally man-made and non-biblical just think about it 
and nobody ever bats an eyelid that's what amazes me we have archbishops bishops over many churches as distinct from those in scripture suffragan bishops diocesan bishops deans, rural deans, provosts archdeacons, canons, rectors church wardens, sidesmen readers, vicars, lay lay people as distinct from the clerical order vicars that comes from the word vicarious meaning one standing in the place of another this meaning here is that they're standing in place of Christ we have been left the holy inspired living word of God but man has sought to add to it with creeds and liturgies and man-made doctrines and traditions and thus also as a result decreasing the value of holy scripture before he left this earth Jesus said ye believe in God believe also in me he is the object of our faith and worship he is unseen and it is in getting away from the worship of an unseen head that man has resorted to idolatry within the churches there were and there are those who might well say of Christ we do not know what has become of him the whole system of heavenly things has become engaged with material things here on earth present day religious leaders have caused people to err how sad to see Aaron the one marked out for high priest himself making the golden calf it shows us that even good men can be misled when they come under evil influences we should be warned it is a warning for us I suppose that much of what could be called idol worship today was brought and has been brought into many churches by what many would call good men the problem is that the human heart loves something that can be seen that which satisfies the senses we are told Hebrews 11 1, to live by faith now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen of Moses Hebrews 11:27, we read by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible we too must so live and endure as seeing him who is invisible man in every age sets up and leans upon human imitations of divine realities do you get that man leans upon human imitations of divine realities and so we see counterfeits of corrupt religion multiply constantly before our eyes what we know through scripture to be divine and heavenly realities man has turned into human and earthly imitations like Israel man soon became tired of leaning upon an invisible arm of trusting an invisible sacrifice 
of having resource to an invisible priest of committing to the guidance of an invisible head of believing only in the inspired word of God and so what happened he got the graving tool man has taken the graving tool and has been busily employed carving and fashioning one thing after another until we recognize this little similarity between what we see in churches today and what we read in the word of God as between the molten calf and the God of Israel man still says make us gods and sadly that is what man has got man made gods now remember what we said at the start these stories these events are written for whatsoever things are written aforetime were written for our learning the golden calf was a type of what we too may fall into whenever we turn our hearts away from God to trust in another thing instead of exclusively trusting in God we are in principle saying up make us gods we have a saviour greater than Moses he has ascended into heaven no longer visible we no longer have to rely on an earthly priestly office we no longer need an altar in our churches we have Christ's completed sacrifice we have a great high priest interceding for us before the throne of God we no longer need an earthly head of the church Christ is the head invisible in the heavens to whom we are linked in the power of resurrection life we have the blessed hope of the near appearing of the son of man from heaven we have an inheritance reserved in heaven for us kept by the power of God we know that we are passed from death unto life and shall not come into judgment the enemy will constantly want us to take up the graving tool so let us be on our guard he would rob us of our divine rights by planting seeds of unbelief and encourage us to make gods for ourselves let us watch and pray that he shall be confounded and that God will be glorified in our fellowships and in each one of our lives and God then tells Moses to hurry and get down we shall look at what happened next week Amen